Hi, this is Nick Spencer. And this is Steve Lieber. We're the co-creators of The Superior Foes of Spider-Man. And you're listening to Amazing Spider-Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon They'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon The Amazing Spider-Talk The Amazing Spider-Talk Come swing the air, sit back and prepare For the Amazing Spider-Talk Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and currently an editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for a special Essentials episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comics universe in a bit of a bigger picture. This week, we have another special guest joining us, and it's none other than Zeke Ward, our news co-editor at Superior Spider Talk. Welcome to the show, Zeke. Hello. My name is Zeke Ward, and I'm the founder and editor of the at I am the Zeke Twitter handle. And as Dan already so lovingly introduced, the co-news editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Zeke, do you have any relationship to Bert Ward? Uh, yes, he is my uncle. I could tell you a lot of stories about him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, Dan, I, I, I gotta say this this podcast is is starting to resemble a, a '90s comic book series. I mean, you know, it's like we don't actually have any content, so we're just bringing out all these special editions, <laughs> more special editions than regular editions, and Let's, more guest stars than ever. That's right. So this is Zeke. Zeke, you can be our. Um, how about you want to be our bullet hole cover? <laughs> or, 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 or perhaps our, our, our diamond eyeball cover a la Eclipso Annual. <laughs> that is not one that I'm aware of, Mark. Oh, it's, right. it's, you go back and watch and read Gimmick or Good and you will see, Dan. Come on. Don't you, don't you read my other writing? <laughs> I, I, maybe, perhaps I did, but I've forgotten already. Yes, anywho. Man, um, I am just so happy to be a special guest star. I've been a regular guest star my entire life, so this is a new experience for me. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try and make the special live up to its name, Zeke. For Because in this episode, we will be discussing our potential essential Spider-Man comic of the week, and it's my pick, so those are always the better ones. No One Dies, from Amazing Spider-Man number 655 and 656, written by the current spider scribe, ooh, I love that turn of phrase, Dan Slott, and penciled by none other than Marcos Martin, which I have to say with a weird accent for some reason. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like I'm a weatherman or something. <laughs> Turns out uh, he's like just an American dude that's like, it's Marcos Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we'll give away some prizes, and then we'll respond to your comments, emails, voicemails, and all other forms of communication. Yeah, fan smoke signals. Those are the best. <laughs> Ooh, two puffs. Yeah. 
That must be a question about when Dan Slott is going to leave. <laughs> I think that's whenever the fire is raging out of control. <laughs> well, guys, we've had a weird month, and this is our third essential episode in the role. In a roll? <laughs> we are on a roll! I love this. Can I, can I get some turkey with that roll? <laughs> I meant to say, in a row. And if we keep doing this, I'm going to have to check at the end of the episode each week to see that no one dies of boredom. Oh, man. Dan, I, I I I find this hard to say, but I feel your your uh, transitions get worse by the week. <laughs> and that might be by design. Uh, it's 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 pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of terrible, what what about this pick you've got here, Mark? This next essential episode, our essential comic pick. What uh? Tell us about what, No One Dies. Why does what about, it what about, our... what about this one tickled my fancy, you're saying? Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to ask through a really <laughs> uh, 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 I am out of it today. What is going on with my head? Oh, man. It is National Beer Day as we're recording this. Have you, uh, <laughs> have you imbibed? About... <laughs> no, I just I have a massive a headache. Okay. Well, this 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 Advil for that. Anyway, um, why is this an essential pick? Well, Dan, let me let me lay it out for you all, for for both of you. Uh, <laughs> so okay, this is far from the first Spider-Man flashback issue. I mean, we we've been down that road before, but from from my opinion, this may be the most unique and very thorough analysis of how the death of of loved ones has impacted Spider-Man as a hero and not just Peter Parker, the man. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we replay the hits in terms of Gwen's death and uncle Ben, but it kind of comes in this from this more unique scope that I think brings kind of new insights to what these actually mean. So I think that's important in terms of understanding the character. Um, then from a broader standpoint, um, I, I don't know if, I'm alone in thinking this, but I, I I think this is the greatest script ever written by Dan Slott, who, regardless of what you think of him currently, is going to be leaving a very um, significant mark on the Spider-Man universe. He's probably going to be considered among the most important writers to ever tackle him. Um, so, you know, if, if you're someone who's just come into Spider-Man over the last few years because of Superior, because of the new status quo, because of, um, because of big time, um, which was the first full, you know, full arc that Dan did when he took over the book. Um, no one dies is kind of, to me, the high water mark. So you should have this story in your back pocket. Um, and then, well, this wasn't exactly part of my reasoning when I first selected this story as an essential ways back. Uh, the teasers for the current big event coming up, Dead No More, seem to indicate that this story is going to be a critical part of the mythology. Um, so, um, and it's, it is something that gets referenced quite a lot during Slot's run. So, uh, again, if you're a current reader um, and 
you know, you're into all these stories right now, Spider-Verse and Spider-Island and Superior. Uh, again, you should probably have this one at your disposal. So um, that, that's kind of the main part of it. I think it's probably of the modern stories, one of the most significant. Um, what do you think, Dan? And Zeke? Yeah, Zeke, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. Do you? What do you think? Is this essential worthy? Well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned the modern Spider-Man because... I think this is essential for the modern Spider-Man, probably, especially in the context. I mean, not just being that it's Dan Slott and everything, but um, everything that drives the character now, whatever problems you may have with it, I think this certainly gets to the core of that really fast. And it puts everything that makes him Peter Parker on the table, and it's really easy to see. Especially for new readers. I was going through this trying to figure out things that might stick out if you had never read a Spider-Man book before or maybe had it in a long time. Uh, there were a few things that jumped out, like why is he working on this company and what's going on with that guy that Aunt May's with. But besides that, it's it's a pretty good you know, story to pick up as a first pick and kind of getting a grasp of the character. I would say I agree with you, Zeke, although there is you know the kind of complications that this is in some ways a capper to the previous story, the uh, uh, the big scorpion uh, mm. story, or I, I guess perhaps it was uh, the spider slayer story. Well, they're both in it, so we'll give them both credit. But, uh, you know, this book starts off with the, you know, kind of the the reaction yeah. to the death of Marla Jameson. Um, so this is like another one of those examples where it's like, this is the best part of that story, but it still is almost sometimes in some ways feels like it's like very much a part of a, a different story while also being self-contained. Are we kind of going over the same ground we did last time with the MJ origin story where, see, I never considered that part of the black suit saga. So when Alan was bringing that up, like, Oh, how do you do this story and not tie it into like the Puma story that preceded it and stuff like that? Like I was like, Oh, I never actually thought about it like that. Um, and in terms of this, it's like, yeah, I mean, this is clearly picks right up where the, 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 the spider slayer and scorpion story ends, but this, these two issues feel so self, cause it's like this new almost it's, I mean, it's not that it's a new status quo that's necessarily being laid down, but it's like this this whole kind of mindset and and well as Zeke said, I mean the way that this is this is what Spider Man is going to be under this regime, so to speak. It's just laid out there. It's like there's there's no there's no mistaking it. You know what I mean? And 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 it's been cons- and it's consistent in that regard. And and so it does feel like a jumping on point. The death of Marla Jameson leads us to the title of this story, No One Dies, which is that status quo that you mentioned, the kind of like ethos that Spider-Man puts forward that no one is going to die under his watch. And uh, I, I like I like that he declares this, although I feel like I never really got a good sense of like what that meant for Spider-Man. Like, did that imply that he wasn't trying hard enough in the past? You know, like what... I never got a real clear idea about what was new about this status quo for him necessarily. But I also at the same time feel like that might be intentional to kind of show mm-hmm. Peter, you know, he often makes these big proclamations that he can't possibly live up to. Yeah, I think that's it exactly. Because 
I mean, I think most of us read that as like, oh, well, someone's going to die eventually. You can't keep this up, you know, forever. But the idea that he would make this statement, it's like whenever your coworker brings in donuts and you're like, ah, oh, I'm never going to do it again. But five minutes later, you might anyway, because that's your character. You slip up. But it's something in Peter's character that automatically draws me as a fan that he would try, that he's going to make that attempt. He doesn't break down in that crazy nightmare, but he gets himself back up and it's like, ah, I want to be better for this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like from what we know about Peter and what Peter has shown over the years, that this is almost like in his mind that the natural progression from with great power must also come great responsibility. It's like he, you know, he's, he's abided by that and yet it still hasn't been good enough. So like, you know, people have died on his watch, so to speak, you know, people that he had power to save in his mind. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, to kind of put it more succinctly, Dan, I mean, I think like it's almost like this idea of, what I'm doing isn't good enough. I need to take it to this next level. Um, I'm curious, Mark, what individual elements, because, I mean, there's a lot here, but since this is your pick, I'm curious from you, what are the individual elements that, not beyond this being like a status quo change for modern, you know, comics, there's a lot of times that Spider-Man is kind of like shouted an ethos or a claim to, you know, like an evolution of of his character, what are the elements of these particular two books that stand out for you and put it in that rarefied territory? Um, to me, I feel like you, you get the perfect snapshot of Spider-Man as a character in terms of like the full gamut of who he is, the good and the bad. I, I, and, you know, and, and it's a shame not to get into a, a then and now kind of conversation, but I, I, I feel like the current run of issues have kind of really strayed um, from the gamut and have only really focused on one or two of these ideas. But for me, like the Spider-Man in these two issues, he's he's courageous, he's a little impulsive, he's brilliant and resourceful, he's got this like insane amount of guilt that weighs him down. He's a little naive. And, you know, like, but, but well-meaning through his naivete. Um, and that's, and, and because of that, like, I feel like this is a character that would go, would say no one dies because like, as Zeke said, it's, it's, it's just unconscious, unconsciously, totally unrealistic, but that's why it's so admirable. But because of the flaws of this character, the flaws that are still so admirable, <laughs> exactly. That and and this is there's not a lot of stories I feel that really zone in on that. I mean, like you know, like we were singing the praises of of like the Roger Stern run, and you know, like I almost feel like you know Stern tells these stories of Spider-Man that are great. I love them. Um, but you know, they don't always focus on like some of the personality flaws of the character, you know, like, I mean, he he captures the, the never say die spirit, but like, you know, Spider-Man is, Peter is imperfect and the Spider-Man is imperfect. And I feel like this story zones in on that. One of the things that I want to highlight about this issue, and I'm sure there's no way around it is the artwork by our good friend Marcos Martin, Mar- Martin, 
however we're saying his name, uh, this, I mean, we, you and I have lauded, you know, like just thrown everything we've got at this artist saying how much we love his work. And, and I know that I would pay $10 an issue if he did every issue of the book. <laughs> uh, so good. It's so good. Uh, it, there's something so simple and so dicko about, you know, except for the paneling is very not dicko. Uh, but this, this I think, might be his best work on the title as well. Uh, you know, you've got that the first half of the comic that's just silent and it really lets you focus on the details, like the wedding rings on people's fingers, the the design of New York City, or even the wet, like the uh, um, the attire that people wear to the funeral. It's all so specific and so, I guess, well paced in terms of the storytelling. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, we 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 sing Martin's praises all the time. So I, I like, I almost feel like I'm just repeating myself. But I mean, I think. Way, way back when we were talking about that that issue of Superior that he kind of guested on for a few pages, I said, Marcos Martin draws the way I dream. And then, of course, like this issue is a lot of dream sequences. So it, <laughs> uh, so it kind of works. <laughs> and the detail is just astounding. I mean, throughout both issues, can't help but draw in the eye and just make you, ah... I mean, like, there's a, a panel towards the end where the camera, if you'll forgive the term, is in the subway. And it's, like, looking up in the sky. And he lets Spider-Man become the detail on that panel. So, like, not only is he putting detail into everything, but even the center, like, what you should be most focused on, it's just the background. It's the landscape. It just lets it all come together, and I love it. Yeah, there's a really interesting, like, the first page of the second issue of this, of 656, is kind of like the silhouette of Massacre, who we haven't even talked about yet, and the panels that, like, build up his body. It's it's a really unique layout, and, and there's several of them like that. There's, there's a page during the dream sequence here where it's laid out like a spiral, and I looked this up because it reminded me of the Court of Owls Batman number five book where you, the book had to be flipped upside down to be read. And this is similar to that, and this came out three weeks after that. So wow. Interesting that, like, Slot and Snyder or, or, or their artists, whoever came up with these ideas, uh, you know, were thinking along the same, uh, the same uh, page about how to, you know, craft an interesting, if kind of psychedelic uh, superhero book. Dan and Zeke, I mean, do you, what do you think about the fact do you feel that some of the, like I feel like in this the, the dream sequences with with Peter are very powerful and potent in terms of I mean both visually and then just also with like the mean like, you know like all these ghosts of the past like when when like when he sees Charlemagne from Spider-Man vs Wolverine and he doesn't even recognize her at first and she turns around and is like don't you remember me? I'm the one you killed. You're the, you're the innocent life that you took. And, and it's like, like it's these gut punches one after the other. And then it made me think about the fact, like when I when I reread it this week, yeah, it still kind of struck a chord, but it's like, we've also kind of seen this scene play out a few more times since this issue has been published. Do you feel that like that kind of negates some of that power from it? Or, I mean, are you able to kind of look at it in a vacuum without considering like ASM 700 and superior number nine and, and, and even the, the, the superior 
uh, issue with Martin on it that was kind of dreamscapey and and you know like reliving the past and you know like it's this is a well that slot goes to a lot um and I just wonder if it kind of gets negated and 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 watered down every time through I mean maybe a little bit but I mean it's I mean there's probably a reason why it keeps going back to it I mean most of those issues have been really fantastic yeah I, I, I think this is something that like I, I can I can see the problem with revisiting it, but every time it remains equally as powerful for me, or maybe not equally, but like it's done in a different enough way. Like uh, in issue seven hundred, you've got that really interesting kind of like recreation of Forest Hills. Yeah, uh, and I thought that was unique, and how Peter's costume changes throughout, um, and I think that that was important to set up that motif as like a visual language to refer back to in Superior so that there's a visual way of demonstrating Peter's memories and 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 what that means to lose them so Mm. yeah I think you're right it loses its power but it becomes like uh, something more interesting I think by being reused it becomes a an active uh, gauge of, of Peter's well-being in some way. Right, in the same way that, you know, I'm not going to get tired of Peter Parker dressing up as Spider-Man, swinging around, having the Parker luck, and, you know, doing general Spider-Man things. But as long as it's done in a clever way, in a way that makes me go, ah, that's interesting. If I keep seeing uh, something new, like whenever they showed Peter's parents and they didn't have any faces, that was really crazy in this issue as long as there's something uh, a reason to go there i'm gonna be happy with it yeah i mean this that sequence is a lot of provocative stuff yeah the the faceless parents i mean the the beating (laughs) up the beating up the burglar and the burglar becoming uncle ben what'd you think of that i mean that was just like i i I mean where, where do you think that they were going with that I had totally forgotten that that even happened, uh, and and it's it's really quite shocking. And uh, I don't know if I have a particular interpretation beyond like what's on on the page, other than the fact that like the idea is if he goes to that point of killing someone, he's betraying you know the the very you know right uh, core of, of of the lesson of Uncle Ben. His Uncle Ben moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that stands out to me as creepy is the Marla Jameson turning into spiders. Mm. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. this is the most provocative, uh, I, I guess, meta commentary in the issue. A lot it, of meta commentary in this issue. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. But yeah. th- this one, like, you know, it, it makes a good point. It's like, if you're good, that means you don't get to come back, you know? And, and I, I hope that we revisit this. In the upcoming, uh, you know, Dead No More arc, you know, uh, maybe not, maybe not so directly on, on, you know, on the head, but this will be the first time that we see some of these good characters actually coming back. We we, we love how we, we we talk about all the time how Slot talks about his own long game and kind of the way he self references. Do you think with that, with you know, because I think he, at one point he even says, "Dead is dead." And I seem to remember during the whole Superior era him saying that a lot about Peter. I mean, do you feel like he was kind of using that to set us up for Peter's demise in 700? Yeah, I absolutely think so. Uh, I mean, I think he plays a long game, but I also wonder if 
this is his way of kind of like – I mean I, I know we've been saying this a lot, like Slot ending his time on the book. But there would be something poetic to like you know uh, this kind of bookend where you know you have the rising – you know, and, uh, uh, of uh, uh, you know, and all the big changes that you are making, and slowly kind of undoing all of those changes. You know, I, I wouldn't be um, surprised if out of this we got, you know, the return of Silver Silver Sable, or, or somebody that he's killed off that he feels like he can bring bring back in, in the long run. You know, if he causes Parker Industries to be destroyed and brings a couple lives back. Essentially, he undoes his his uh, tenure on the book in, in some way, and I, and I think that might be a poetic way of of, of wrapping things up. Um, not to say that that's going to happen, but anyway, thanks for that about wrapping it up in that way, kind of a bookend, resetting, you know, pushing the reset button. Yeah, I don't know if it's Dan Slot that said this, but like, there's you know, we've heard from many creators over the years that like. You you kind of do what you want to do with the book, and then you make sure all the pieces are back in place for someone else to use them. Yeah, you put the toys back in the box, so to speak, you know, when you're done playing. Speaking of toys, I love that in this dream sequence, the Spider-Mobile makes an appearance as (laughs) if it was like an entity that died. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a villain at one point, and again. (laughs) I almost wish there was a version of, like, that big splash page of, of the, like, Inception-like city that's, you know, collapsing in on itself uh, with people's names labeled. Because you can only make out, like, so many until you're like, that's just a guy with brown hair. And that, you know, not everybody's, like, disfigured or a villain. But there's, you know, there's, like, a couple kids. So I'm like, okay, well, one of them is, you know, is, you know, Timmy. And he's got a, you know, a Spider-Man shirt on, so it's probably him. But then who is the other kid? Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things where you're like, okay, I really would like to know who all these people are. So you guys want to talk about Massacre? Yeah. So here's my thing about Massacre. Like, on paper, you know, you kind of say, oh, so he's just this dude with with who's unremorseful about killing people. Okay. and And I think you know, in subsequent appearances, that's really all Massacre was. But I also feel for this story, his, his this being his debut was perfect. Like, this was the, the right kind of villain to have in this story. Would you agree to that? Oh, heck yes. It was amazing. I mean, right after he makes his new, no one dies. Suddenly, I mean, just even before your own mind can turn to the, uh, can you really pull that off? You know, there's a gunshot. And it's like, oh, okay, we're going to challenge that immediately instead of letting it hang there, which I appreciate. I love how it's presented, too, with that giant kablam. I mean, it's, it is so bold. And, and, and one of the things I think that you mentioned the Uncle Ben thing earlier, these two issues are, are kind of gruesome. Like, there's blood in these issues in a way that you don't typically see in the Spider-Man story. I mean, the blood's not even the worst part. I mean, at one point in the dream sequence, he has a conversation with Gwen after her neck has been snapped. I mean... <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's Martin's artwork again. I mean, it's 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 very off-putting in its, in its visual beauty, if that makes sense. <laughs> But, but about Massacre, I, I right. agree with you. I think, I mean, the timing of this debut is perfect for him. But the other thing is, like, 
he feels almost like a classic rogue immediately because his backstory is like presented like in two pages and <laughs> very simple and very you know uh, uh, to the point. And I kind of like that, you know, instead of getting this prolonged explanation of who he is and yeah. we would get a little more backstory later. He's just very immediate and and needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And there's no like there's really no complications to it. I mean, you know, there like, you know, you can maybe sympathize with the journey to how he got to this point, you know, but. Once he's made the transition, there's no sympathy. You know what I mean? There's nothing to sympathize with, you know? And that's, I think, like, it's good to just, like you said, Dan, have a classic rogue where it's, it's, you know, we don't have to worry, well, you know, did somebody think of the children, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I just also like how Massacre just kind of really brings out so many interesting things in people. I mean, you know... Like the 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 scene that and I and I do want to talk about the spider sense in a, you know so put a pin in that but like just to kind of jump ahead a few pages, um, that scene where Jameson is 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 giving the address about you know with the with the victims' families of of his of massacres for his killing and he's alone with that kid and it's like. You know, I'm of two minds with this. He's 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 talking to the kid, and like you're you're in. You know, obviously Jonah's kind of voicing his own pain with Marla, and you're thinking, oh, is this going to be like this turning point moment for Jameson? And then like he's like, I'll see that he dies, and it's like it's <laughs> such a such a wow, like 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 I mean, way to go back to the old character, but to do it in such like a a stark way, I guess, you know, like, well, I mean, like at this point, ultimate Jonah had already turned a new leaf, right? Or he was starting to, I think, I think he had already turned a new leaf at this point. I think whenever I was reading this and maybe it's just me, but I was like, Oh, they're going to start making him nicer. Kind of make him more like the ultimate version. But then they just immediately like whiplash snaps back and he's almost worse than he was before. (laughs) Yeah, because it's, in the previous issue, he kind of admits that it's he's partially at fault or not completely at fault for Marla's death in that he created the Scorpion and and ultimately that, you know, his association with the Scorpion is what brought him and her down. So you think, OK, Jonah is going to admit that Spider-Man wasn't at fault and it's going to be a new leaf for him. And you're right, like immediately that is undone. Wasn't that Marla's last words, too? Like, she told him not to blame Spider-Man? Yeah. Like, it was all set up. It was perfect. No, it's... It's it's pretty intense. And and it's like they pulled... I mean, they pulled the rug out, and they've pulled the rug out on you with Jonah before, but this one just feels, like, extra cold. You know? Like, like... Because, yeah, the setup really is there for him to turn over a new leaf. Like, like if it, if not then, then never. You know, like, it's not going to happen. That's our Jonah. <laughs> Little did everybody know that only uh, a couple dozen issues later, he would turn over a new leaf and start a pizza company. There you go. Papa Jonah. Mm. <laughs> Bigger, meatier taste. You're a Papa Jonas. Was was that the was that the issue with the the scratch and sniff in it that smelled like pizza? 
I thought that was the hobgoblin tattoo. <laughs> Did that smell like pizza too? <laughs> I don't know. I've never found one with the tattoo in it, so I couldn't tell you. Um, let's talk about spider sense because this is an interesting thing. Like one of my very first blog entries on Chasing Amazing was about being like kind of fanboy ragey about spider sense. Because, I don't know, I guess I thought that would get me readers. I don't know. Uh, it worked. Yeah, I got one. And he's looking at me through the computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, just kind of going back on this issue, like, I actually really appreciated how we really, this this issue illuminates how we took Spider-Sense for, for granted and, and like, just the little things. Like, more, because he's lost it for a few, for a storyline here and there in the past, and it's usually just kind of like, oh, I couldn't dodge that punch in time or something like that. Like, like there were stakes, but, like, I mean, his even his web-slinging was affected in this. Like, he didn't realize that he, like, tore off, you know, he, he, sl- he attached to the wrong part of the building and, like, ripped off the the, fa- the facade a bit. And, like, like, it's those, like, little details where I was like, yeah, like, it's it, it really can be used as such a crutch by people. And the fact that, like... Slot was willing to kind of tell these stories and be like, "No, this is this is this is going to be a challenge for him now because of stuff like this." I I, res- I really respect the audacity of that. That was kind of a big part of Slot's early run was kind of breaking down all the different elements of Spider-Man's abilities, like uh, his fighting style uh, and having to be trained by was it Iron Fist. Uh, uh, no, uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. It's the same family of, of, of superheroes, street level. <laughs> <laughs> Just a reskin. <laughs> free yeah, comic book that... day, right? Wasn't that a free comic book day story? It was, yeah. You know, I, Which... almost, I almost bought a page from that book. But I last second went with a double page spread from Ultimate Spider-Man. Be- better question, Dan. Does that issue count? Yeah, it does. Wow, I have that issue. I don't have the the free comic book day with Overdrive though. So does oh. that mean I don't actually own every Amazing Spider Man? Yeah, it means you don't because that one counts too. In fact, I have that one, and I have the director's cut version of that one, which is like black and white and has all the scripting and a few extra pages. They made a director's cut of that issue. They did. <laughs> that's what I've always wanted. That's how they got you to buy it, where it costs money. <laughs> Just remind me again where the if you have the ends of the earth one shot, Dan. I I, I do not. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> but that's but that's an that's a one shot. That's not a point one. But it's an amazing Spider Man one shot. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, continue. <laughs> I don't even know what I was saying anymore. But I think I think we were talking about Spider Sense. Breaking down. Breaking I don't know. down. I'm losing my faith. Losing my faith in your collection over here. <laughs> that ends of the earth. I, every con I go to, I ask, like, do, do you? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but we can look. <laughs> so I think all but like eight thousand people bought that issue, but I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and was- and I, I had a real existential quandary over buying it because I was like, it has Amazing Spider-Man on the cover, but like. I got to draw my line somewhere because this looks awful. (laughs) What a shame. Not awful enough for Mark. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you know, like I see. Uh, no, I'm not going to have this argument anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you love holding it over his head. <laughs> So uh, we're talking about breaking down powers, kind of essential slot in that regard. I mean, what did you think of how this was like all projected here in terms of Spider-Sense? I thought it was pretty jarring because I had forgotten that he didn't have his Spider-Sense at this point. So whenever he snagged the loose plaster and just bullwinkled into that cop car, it's like, what's, what's happening? It took me a second to remember, oh, yeah, there was that thing. And now he doesn't have spider sense. And then, of course, the panel where he gets shot by Massacre. Yeah, that was intense. That's jarring. (laughs) Part of this, too, is his relationship with the police. Like, there's Mm -hmm. kind of a weird casualness to the relationship. Not, again, to get into then versus now kind of thing. But it is a real difference, like, how much the supporting cast and and Spider-Man's relationship with those around him is, is really a key focus of this issue. To the point that they're not sure whether to trust him going in after these civilians, and it really, it really does put a nice like amount of stakes on the lives of these people that are being held captive. Oh. There's a special moment where he forgets that his spider tracer won't work without the spider uh. sense, and I, I like that too because it's like, oh, duh, he really has come to take this for granted. How much the spider sense is is completely a part of every aspect of of what he does. I thought that moment was beautiful. I mean, it's one of those things you don't see very often, a mistake like that. <laughs> yeah, and there's the people that have the scorecards out, like the baseball game. That would be one error for, for Spider-Man. Ah, uh, baseball. Baseball is back then. I know. I was wearing my O's cap the other day. Well, on the topic of, like, appreciating how Spider-Man kind of, you know, take Spider-Sense for granted and all that. If I have one criticism of this story is that, I don't know, and maybe I, I kind of feel the, 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 his resolution to, uh, and solution for dealing with Massacre is a little bit of a Dewey Smackinaw. I mean, it's like, oh, that's right. I work at um, Horizon Labs. I'm just going to, like, use my stealth suit and put some armor on it. Like, it just, that that felt very forced to me. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know. It felt a little too convenient. Is that, am I am I being too critical here? Well, yeah, maybe. I, I think... It's interesting because reading this in isolation, I was like, oh, that's really cool. But like at the time, it was like every other issue, he got a new suit that solved all of his problems. So mm-hmm. I think you're probably right. It's like the Venom Sting of 2011. Was the Venom Sting around in 2011? Miles wasn't around in 2011. No, no. Now. He was introduced around 2011, but I don't know if he was Venom stinging his way to the top of the charts at that point. <laughs> <laughs> or super Venom stinging, which apparently yeah. is a thing. Oh, gosh. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel you on that, Mark, but I kind of like the idea that this suit is so heavy that he can't move very quickly in it, so he has to kind of get that, like, running jump off of the building, like so he could be like a bullet into the other building. I think that's a kind of a nice, you know, uh, uh, a counter here. Like, th- does he use his webs while he's in this thing? Is he able to swing around in this? I don't see him swing around, but he, I mean, he webs up the, the detonators. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. That's true. But can he wall crawl? Because didn't he say something about he, need to make, he needed to make the suit thinner at certain points? 
Like, I know he jumped off the wall at one point, but... Yeah. I don't know. It is kind of a cheat. What do you, what do you guys think about the design of this costume? Because I always thought this is, like, maybe in the running for the most bizarre-looking Spider-Man costume. And yet, it kind of works. But I think the cover to uh, to the second issue is really not flattering to this costume with its, like, weird collar and those, like, yellow, like, pulled-back eyes. W- what did you guys think about this suit? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 certainly unique um, with, like, I mean, the collar certainly is unique. Uh, <laughs> the spider collar, the spider fonts, ayy! <laughs> um, could that be the jump the shark moment? For the spider suit. Oh, oh God. get it, get it. Fonts. Oh, God. the shark. He jumped oh, the shark. That's God. where it comes from. Oh, oh my. <laughs> Pity applause. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I... And this... Did this even even make a second appearance? We've seen it, like, in his costume gallery since then. But I, I don't even think that someone was wearing it during Spider-Verse. I, I don't think there was a Spider character wearing this outfit. Am, am I wrong about that? No, I don't think you are. Maybe someone who died, like, really fast, but... I mean, like, the Future Foundation pajamas kept making their appearances in Spider-Verse, but not... <laughs> oh, yeah, that also is on my list of, like, really strange costumes from this time. And those issues followed this one, didn't they? Like, yep, it yep. was literally the next arc, you got another costume. I think this came at a point where there were, like, five issues in a row where he was on the cover in a different costume. Yeah, I think you're right. I feel like I'm the only person that likes this costume. I think it's awesome. Because the helmet look to it, like, from the side, oh, that's awesome. And the shoulders and everything, it's kind of cool when everything's not just a reskin. Like, it's the same costume but a different color. This felt like it had a shape to it that was unique, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, Plus, it's just so awesome. What, do you like it when superheroes try and kill each other, too, in movies? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just like that it was cool, more than- man. <laughs> And, like, even the off-colors, like, the almost webbing pattern, it's like a cross between webbing and almost, like, uh, the metal that you see on Thor's shoulders now. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that's interesting. I just thought it was kind of cool. Different. It's certainly kind of Batman-ish. I mean, the color scheme, but even that final page, I think is a real stunner of him standing on the rooftop. He might as well be Batman in that image. Well, don't let Doc Gock let you hear talk about Stunner like that. <laughs> wah, wah. Boy, you're really on it today, Mark. I mean, I'm, I'm having a dad joke of Palooza right now. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. What do you guys think about the, uh, the ending of this book? Because I love that he takes this ethos of no one dies and then applies it to Massacre. Which I thought was a, a unique twist on, on this new, uh, I guess, phrase. Well, I mean, you know, but that's, again, that kind of plays into at the beginning when you when you were asking me what about the, you know, the story that I feel made it essential. I mean, it's it, the fact that um, that it would end this way, you know what I mean? Like, like he, he still did the noble thing regardless of... The circumstance, because that's that's what Spider-Man does. It's it's he does the right thing. Yeah, I liked it too because it almost felt like they were trying to fake you out, fake you out at first. Because 
he goes over to the open spot in the wall and you see all the red dots on him and you're like oh okay so this is how peter is going to fail immediately like this thing that he just set up like no one dies but then he jumps in front of it and it's just it's another way you utilize that costume and i thought it was pretty cool I feel I feel I feel satiated. What about you, Zeke? Any anything else you'd like to throw out there on this? Well, I mean, talk one last thing. Talking about the no uh, no one dies thing that he's got going on. Um, I like Jonah's reaction to it whenever he hears it, <laughs> because for one panel he's like, "I was wrong about you this whole time," <laughs> and then immediately he says, "I always thought you were a threat, a menace, but I was wrong about you." You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can get past Jonah. He'll find any way to spin it. Well, cool. I, I, I really enjoyed rereading this issue, and uh, it was fun to talk to you guys about it. Because it's, I mean, but it's also difficult to talk about because so much of it is in those awesome visuals, you know. You know, I think we, I think we exhausted it though. I think we're good. Sure. Maybe we could just not talk about it and hire an artist to draw our feelings. (laughs) Can you draw our podcast? (laughs) (laughs) It'd take too much time. (laughs) Well, speaking of taking too much time, I'm going to say Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Mark, that name is definitely too long. Who in the world would come up with something like that? I don't know, Dan, but you know what's not too long? The list of members that we have. Uh, and we have some new ones this week, so that list is getting longer, but it can never be long enough, right? Because, you know, this is all about supporting the show yeah. with, your, with your kindness. Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know, we have our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club, which is our Patreon club where you can help support the show and, and help us make everything better we're actually almost at our next uh goal we're only eight dollars away so uh let's thank some of the new members who helped get us that close to our next goal yeah those members include kevin brown christopher stimson elliot santiago israel branson and michael passo and dan uh i i heard we got some cool raffle stuff coming up yeah, we do. So last time we talked about this, which was a while ago, considering we usually only do these on our normal episodes. So that was like, what, four or five weeks ago, Mark? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so this raffle, many of you have probably forgotten that we were doing it. And it's, uh, it's for these three amazing posters that I have, this A-Force and Alex Ross posters. And uh, Mark, do you want to give me another one of your terrible drum rolls? You nailed it. And uh, this one goes to Charles Kendall. So, uh, Charles, thanks for supporting the show. Uh, I I actually mailed this off today, so you should be getting these posters any day now. Um, And as usual, we gave away 35 digital comics to members over the past couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, we have our next raffle. Uh, This one's going to have three winners. So, uh, you know, I guess about a a tenth of our members are going to get something here. Um, 
And this is uh, this awesome vintage Marvel Comics calendar for the year of 2016. Mark, I know you and I were approached about uh, scanning some of our comics to be in this calendar. Do you have one of these calendars yourself? I do, and and I'm allegedly going to be in the 2017 version, so um, that's exciting. These calendars are great. I love I love these vintage calendars, and and the best part is, um, yeah, it's it's 2016, and we're already into April, but the art is detachable and frameable, and I have some of these hanging on my wall in my apartment from past years. They're they're great uh, reproductions of these classic Marvel covers. Uh, so this is this is a great prize, totally. Yeah, I have mine from like 2014 and 2015, like just hanging around because I like to flip through them. You know, they're they're nice and large scale covers. So, uh, you know, you can, you know, rather than hanging up your comic or something, you get this beautiful high res scan of, of and and they look real. They look like a comic because they were comics. So you get that kind of yeah, they're not perfect, but that kind of gives it some charm. Yeah. So allegedly, very. Uh, 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 one of three potential very significant Bronze Age issues of ASM are going to be in 2017, Dan. So Cool, cool. B- believe that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to have three winners of that. So keep your, I guess, ears open for the next time we do this. We're going to announce the winners of that contest. So thanks again, everybody. And uh, as always, if you go to our sites and click on the big button that says, Mark... Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Why do we name it that? I don't know, but it's a good way to support the show. Uh, So, of course, uh, we here at Amazing Spider Talk... We love your feedback. We love it. We adore it. We we beg for it. We beg for it. Uh, and in the case for iTunes, um, we want you to leave us a rating, leave us a comment. It helps our community grow. So you do that. You you search on Amazing Spider Talk and iTunes, and and we'll come up because we're like one of the most popular podcasts ever created right now, Dan. Right? Yeah, actually, I I wanted to thank everybody who's been reviewing us over the years and as kind of share us with their friends because. We found out this week that actually we become the number two hobbies podcast in the USA and like number seven in like games and hobbies. And I know that sounds like very specific, you know, but we're up there with like IGN and all of these major publishing groups. So the show has become weirdly popular as of recent, and I know that it definitely is because of all the people that have been commenting and reviewing uh, on our show over the years. So thanks everybody for, for taking our uh, advice, I guess, and, and, and making it come to life. Meanwhile, watch out gardeners anonymous. We're coming for you next. Yeah. (laughs) Some gardening show, you know, they're a daily show. So they've kind of cooked the books. Gardening anonymous. (laughs) I was just making that up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but uh, so in addition to iTunes, you could also email us questions at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com or tweet at us uh, at either of our accounts with the hashtag OKToPrint. Or you can call the Amazing Spider Talk hotline at 9RedGoblin. Are we going to find out the secret of who the Red Goblin is in one of your upcoming uh, uh, mystery uh, posts, Mark? Only if you agree to write it, Dan. 
<laughs> well, uh, how about our first uh, email that we got, Mark? All right, so this one is from uh, Chris from Milwaukee, and Chris writes in, After reading Spider-Man for years and years, I finally started my own chase to collect every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. I was thrilled to pick up my first Stanley Steve Ditko issue number 37 at C2E2 this past weekend. And as I was trying to make a list, I started to wonder which issues to include. Forgive me if you've covered this before, but as I'm starting my own chase, I'm hoping you might revisit the topic. It was a lot easier to sort out which issues to collect back when the series was straight line from 1 to 296 or 375 or 437, my first issue. Nowadays, we have annual specials, variants, different printings, and point one issues, both single issues like 699.1 and miniseries like Spiral, um, that all bear the amazing Spider-Man name, and it's become somewhat complicated. I realize this is all subjective. Each person's collection is personal and based on their own arbitrary decisions. Some people might just want ASM 1 to 700, while others want every appearance the web has ever made. However, I'm still curious how two of the biggest Spider-Fans I follow decided what belongs in their collections of Amazing Spider-Man. Thanks again for all great content over the years, both on the podcast and on your respective sites. Dan, I feel like this is just another way to sneak in the annuals count debate. Uh, Yeah, and and we're also saying, yes, it is all subjective. And we've talked about this before uh, on the show. Um, And I think we've always said, like, it is what you want to make it. Um, But uh, one thing we haven't talked is about, like, special printings and variants and point one issues. Uh, For for us, I, I don't know about you, Mark, but, like, for me, it's important that I get a first printing non-variant cover of for all my books yeah i think i yeah i i i I don't think i have any issues in my collection that aren't that so i would agree with that there's a purity to that that i feel kind of honors the the intent of the series um i would say for simplicity's sake like when i when i'm talking to like a non-fan so to speak about hobbies and stuff and they're like oh so you collect you collect comics i'm like well i collect amazing spider-man they're like i have the whole collection and they're like what does that entail i actually just say one to seven hundred because i kind of feel like i don't know everything that's come out i mean i'm still collecting and and saving those issues i'm not discarding them but like I don't know. To me, 700 feels like a natural endpoint. <laughs> like, because it's also just getting so confusing. Because what's superior? Where does that fit in? Where, where's these like these point one spinoff series like Spiral and Learning to Crawl? You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 becoming what was complicated is becoming more complicated now. In my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I would extend my collection beyond 700, although it doesn't go much further beyond 700. I kind of like, uh, you know, it, my collection as it expands beyond amazing, it's it's kind of like what do I think are like the key Peter Parker stories or the, or the key uh, what's considered like mainline Spider-Man. And there are times where like that strays from amazing and uh, and I want to own those too, um, but that's just me expanding my collection. But I, I I count Superior and Beyond as you know this is still Peter Parker's story as bizarre as it may be, um, and I'm sure you will extend your collection when issue 800 comes out uh, and we suddenly jump back to normal numbering. 
Yeah. I'm going to be curious to see what they count as 800, though, to be honest. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Like, does learn to crawl count? I mean, they were technically point ones, but will they be over eager to get to that 800? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we've witnessed this with like ultimate with the 200th issue, right? I mean, like, what did they actually count was kind of up for debate. Yeah, and will they count superior in that? I mean, for me, superior is part of my complete collection because it was like if you stopped reading at 700 and picked back up at you know, volume three, number one, you'd be like, what? What did I miss? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And again, it's whatever you make it really. Uh, if you just want to collect Straczynski's run or Stern's run, I mean, you can call it complete and however you want. There you go. Make your own destiny. So speaking of point ones, uh, uh. we have a voicemail from uh, from a, a listener, uh, so let's give that a listen. Hey guys, it's Ellie, the uh, Aunt May stunt double again. Um, uh, I was just wondering why you guys uh, aren't reviewing the point whatever issues of Amazing Spider-Man anymore. Not that I'm particularly blaming you. I like they don't seem very crucial, and honestly, they haven't been extremely quality in my opinion until uh, the most recent issue. Uh, but I, but you guys did read the learning to crawl issues and reviewed them, um, uh, and the spiral issues. Uh, so I'm just curious, uh, why you decided this point, whatever, uh, was enough. Enough is enough on this one. Um, uh, also, uh, I really like Parallel Lives. I do think that it is an essentials, uh, and I almost wanted to tell you guys to, uh, read that instead of Spider-Man Blue, um, uh. But clearly you have some opinions on it. I would still like to hear you guys read that again. Maybe not save it for next year's Valentine's Day. Um, uh, but, yeah, I'd like to hear more uh, about Parallel Lives. Mary Jane's the best. See you later. Yeah, Dan. So why haven't we talked about those point one issues? <laughs> well, it's funny because I think you and I, you know, we did cover the previous point ones, And you and I kind of talked before this new series was uh, came out and kind of decided that we weren't going to cover it in the same way. We were just going to do a wrap-up episode covering the whole story. And I don't know that if I can speak for your reasoning why, Mark, but for me, it was like just reading the solicits for this, it felt like such a minor story. There was no big name attached. There was no high concept to it. It just seemed... Like something that they – like an inventory story that they were kind of throwing out there. And you and I covered the 700, you know, point one through five in an episode. And I don't think that you and I would want to go through each individual issue of that and discuss it. Yeah, and, and I mean I also think this is an instance where um, kind of our own research or interviews kind of – fed into this decision because when we had Jerry Conway on to talk about Spiral, uh, I mean, he kind of admitted to us that these point one issues are, are, are basically miniseries being disguised uh, under the name title. And, and you know, while we were very happy to talk about Spiral um, when that came out because, you know, Jerry's, I mean, Jerry's a great creator, a classic creator. So to like be able to, you know, it didn't feel out of place, but like I, I, I kind of feel going forward, if that's how these point one issues are going to be presented, then I'd rather just talk about the series as a whole at the end rather than break down because we, you know, we wouldn't be talking about an uh, if there was like a Spider-Man miniseries coming out, 
at concurrently with the main book, we wouldn't be talking about those issues individually. And that's what these issues clearly are now being marketed as, despite the fact that it says ASM on the top. Am I right? Yeah. And there was also something unique about um, when Spiral and Learning to Crawl were coming out. It's that they were interrupting the publishing schedule of Amazing Spider-Man, like deliberately paced and 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 like every two weeks. And we thought, oh, this this fits in with what we're already doing. And, and this one, I don't know if that's the case. It just seems kind of random when these issues are coming out. Although, so that seems the same with the main line uh, as well. So, um, I guess that's why. So, I, I would say just keep your eyes open or ears open for when we cover it eventually down the line. Absolutely, but um, we still yeah, have but what, this- two issues left. Uh, or one? I is think it, it's uh, a they... six-part issue. Or oh, jeez. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Maybe a, a brief glimpse into our feelings about it. Oh, jeez, might be right. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we haven't covered it. <laughs> all right, Dan and Zeke, why don't we go on home? All right, everybody. Of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure to leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing. And like always, we'll read it on the air. And that's the same thing goes with any opinions you have any, on these comics or questions you have. You can email them to us at amazingspidertalk at gmail.com. Call us at 9redgoblin or tweet at us with hashtag OK to print. And we'll read those as well. Yeah, be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages and subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin, to keep up with the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales. And also, lastly, don't forget to check out our friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club to help support our show and get you in on the raffles and prizes and all kinds of free goodies. And uh, this week, Mark, we're going to be recording another members-only podcast for all of our patrons to enjoy. Mark, what are we going to be talking about in that episode? Well, Dan, I mean, you know, I don't know how everyone's binge-watching is going, but we're going to have a a spoiler-free conversation about uh, Season 2 of Daredevil on Netflix. Awesome. I'm really enjoying it, so I can't wait to get into it with you. Yeah, I, I finished it up over the week this past weekend. So, um, so not as not as bingy as other people do it, but you know, we, we consumed it pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, next week, we're, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Mark, but we're actually back to our normal schedule. Although, who can say what that is at this point? <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're going to be talking Amazing Spider-Man Volume Four, Number Ten, and announcing our next essential episode. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk the final showdown with the Zodiac. Some of those preview pages have been pretty cool as what I've seen so far. All right, Dan. I'm looking forward to it. So, Dan, where can we find you on the social media network things? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk or at Dan Gavazdin and read everything I write on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Uh, what about you, Mark? Well, of course, you can find me at Chasing ASM Blog on Twitter, and you can find all of my writing at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Dan, I've been talking mysteries lately. We've been talking about clone sagas and hobgoblins and uh, green goblins. Uh, what do you think will be next? Do you, do you know what mystery will be mysteriously uncovered next? The, the demo goblin. 
Uh, keep guessing. No, don't guess. <laughs> the don't gray guess. goblin. Nah. Hey, Zeke. Zeke, where can we find you on stuff? <laughs> I am on stuff. <laughs> I'm at, uh, at I am the Zeke on Twitter. I do a Facebook, Zeke Ward. Um, do you mind if I plug something really quick? Go for it. I do the news on this website called superiorspidertalk.com. I've never heard of it. You would probably like it. It's pretty good. <laughs> we update, for, you know, but it's some great content. <laughs> you should totally read it. Check it out. <laughs> Leave Zeke, us a comment. Zeke does my favorite uh, column on the site, the long dormant, the weekly bugle. Yes, the Weekly Bugle. We uh, publish it about twice a year. And <laughs> it's so good. You never know when it's going to come out. What we don't know is by weekly, we're just describing how weak our schedule is with it. <laughs> well, I guess there's nothing else for us to talk about, right? Like, I don't, Wasn't that story. fun? Wasn't that uh, fun? It, it was, was such a, a great story. Yeah. I mean, that dream sequence, it was really spectacular. Although it did get pretty violent towards the end. Say, Mark, you're you're kind of a violent guy. Have you ever had a any sort of dream that suddenly turned violent? Man, Dan, uh, Dan, Zeke, Zeke, oh. you're staring into my soul here. Uh, it's a little, a little off-putting, but um, you know, since you asked, I mean, since you asked, yeah, you know, I um, so I've been having this dream like every day for the last 30 years or so um i'm uh i'm trying to get an ice cream bar out of the freezer and uh, (laughs) i'm already losing it i don't even know where i'm going with this um and and you know it's i i want like chocolate covered vanilla ice cream in the middle you know classic ice cream bar um And and I, I open it up and and um, all of a sudden a, a burglar enters the room and like he 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 has a heart attack what? right in front of me and kills over and, and and is like you know convulsing on the floor and like he's dying and I'm like this is ridiculous man I was trying to get some ice cream and you're a burglar and you're dying on my floor and I mean it's a really strong reaction and I start I start wailing on him and i take the ice cream and i shove it in his ear um naturally i'm just just so angry (laughs) um, all of a sudden the burglar he 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 starts to resemble somebody else um you guys want to guess who he starts to look like the michelin man no come on give me a real guess Dan, can you guess? You've been here. You, you, who do you think the burger starts to burger? The burglar starts to look like menace. <laughs> no, guys, it's my, it's Jimmy the Elbow. <laughs> now that was a twist. <laughs> uh, it's my uncle Ben, and and he he when as he's all bloodied and dripping with vanilla ice cream, the smear of chocolate on his cheek. From the outer crusty layer of the ice cream bar, he, he stands up and he goes, he wipes the ice cream off. He says, Mark, well, what is this? Like, it's just ice cream and I'm just a burglar having a heart attack on your floor. No, no reason to not remember with great podcasts must also come. Amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the-
next